significantly disrupted learning and contributed to learning losses that could have lasting socioeconomic impacts. In this podcast, Harvard University education professor Fernando Reimers explains the pandemic's effect on education, disparities faced by developing countries, and lessons for mitigating future education disruptions. The discussion draws upon his ADBI feature speaker webinar on building resilient education systems after the COVID-19 pandemic. Hi, Professor Reimers. Welcome to Asia's Developing Future. To start things off, can you explain the implications of the COVID-19 pandemic for education? The reason why it's important to understand the educational implications of the pandemic is the pandemic is one instance of a larger type of disruptions that have been ongoing for some time and that we can expect to continue. The interruptions of schooling caused by natural disasters, many of them induced by climate change, but also the interruption of schooling resulting from civil conflict, wars, from violence, or from other health-related epidemics. It's important to understand how resilient are education systems to those disruptions. To what extent can we develop the capacity in students as well as teachers and systems to continue to teach in spite of disruptions that we can expect are going to be a feature of our lives and at least for those disruptions that are a function of climate-related events increasingly common. Can you unpack that a bit more? There are implications for education systems in terms of helping students build the capacities that can help them interrupt the reproduction of conflict. But we could argue the same for climate-related events in that the necessity to develop the skills for mitigation, adaptation, and reversal of climate change has direct implications for education systems, for competencies that need to be built in education systems. What do we now know about the effects of the pandemic on education? What we found is that the pandemic had impacted education. It had created an austerity in governments, a severe economic recession. There was severe austerity in individuals because there was an increase in poverty. There was also the most obvious health impact of life loss. There was the mechanism was the interruption of schools for how long schools were interrupted in many places. Schools were closed for a very, very long time, for up to two years. And if you shut down schools, and if the alternative means that you have to educate kids aren't going to serve all the kids, a lot of kids are going to not learn. They will disengage. What are some lessons learned from COVID-19 school closures? The question that we should be asking is, was it necessary to close schools for so long in some communities, particularly because this wasn't always done in close coordination with public health authorities. So this was not always a response to localized epidemiological conditions. Education policy responses matter. In particular, how long the school closures were. In some countries, they were extremely short. And as a result of that, there was less loss in those countries. In other cases, closures were very long. And as a result, there are bigger losses there. The other finding is that pre-existing conditions make a big difference. In effect, that some countries were more ready in terms of having created a technological infrastructure and helped teachers gain the digipedagogies that made online instruction possible. And as a result, they were able to teach better remotely than the countries that hadn't made those investments. 
How has education in developing countries been affected by the pandemic compared to that in developed countries? We do know that educational inequality increased, and that's because the least developed countries experienced the combined effect of several mutually reinforcing challenges, the longest school closures, the lowest levels of resources and institutional capacity to mitigate learning loss, the lower levels of access to vaccines, the greatest increases in poverty, lower effectiveness of the modalities that were deployed to continue to educate remotely, Another form of inequality has to do with the use of technology because the students with uh, with more resources and those who attended schools with more resources had access to technology that produce higher cognitive activation, that develop higher order skills, whereas the students in more disadvantaged conditions, maybe they had access to technologies that were used to transmit content, but not very much to engage them. Are there any positive developments in education that have come out of the pandemic? I think that there are questions that we should be very interested in answering. One is exploring the systems that were resilient, understanding, identifying the innovations that took place during the pandemic and examining their implications for the future. And then examining whether the pandemic in some systems stimulated educational transformation, new goals, new approaches. There are some countries in which the notion that learning, that education systems need to be blended, needs to be augmented with the capacity for digital learning and teaching is now a much greater priority than it was before the pandemic. And that is happening, to my knowledge, in some systems, but I don't know systematic research that has examined that response of education systems and how many of them are building back better because of the pandemic. How are some education systems able to avoid learning loss? Essentially, what they had done were three very simple things. They had established a system of monitoring and supporting schools where school supervisors visited schools periodically using highly structured protocols to assess student literacy and teacher instruction and to provide coaching to the teachers on how to do a better job teaching foundational literacy. That's it, basically. They also had a system of assessment of literacy, and the results of that assessment were coupled with the professional development. And they had also implemented a program of tutoring for the students who were really, really behind in terms of foundational literacy. And these tutors were basically teachers in training or university students or retired teachers very much a measure that has been adopted to mitigate learning loss after the pandemic. To wrap up, can you tell us what steps should be taken to reduce educational risks after the pandemic? We need to mitigate learning loss and continue to educate as the pandemic continues to linger. We also need urgently to address the learning gaps caused by the pandemic. So I'm not just talking about learning loss, I'm talking about the increase in inequality here. We shouldn't take the baseline as a good system. The goal shouldn't be to restore the education system to the levels of functioning prior to the pandemic because those were very deficient. And then most importantly, education systems need to continue to make progress in aligning their functioning to preparing students for the new challenges, economic and social challenges of the present. How about education opportunities? 
the opportunities are in examining the good things that happened during the pandemic. The greater emphasis on educating the whole child, the greater appreciation of the importance of science and technology, the greater appreciation of the use of technology for education, as well as a greater understanding of our limitations in using this technology, the greater communication between schools and home that the pandemic made visible how important it was, a greater societal appreciation for the importance of education, the very many forms of collaboration among teachers and other stakeholders, and the reliance on partnership that the pandemic made possible. This has been Asia's Developing Future, brought to you by the Asian Development Bank Institute. For more information about us, visit adbi.org.